Hey, hey, I, um, I'm excited about the Zoommate stuff, about how we can continue to gather together during the week. Here, here's the irony of using Zoom. Um, leave it up to Silicon Valley, which is, I think is where Zoom is based out of. Uh, leave it up to Silicon Valley to name a feature uh, that has to do with a fast pace in life, Zoom. Uh, but we are gonna use it to help us slow down. This is, a, I'm, I'm so glad that we can slow down together for worship, um, for this time of encouragement and seeing each other uh, during the week. Um, I want us to Zoom, but the way, to the, <laughs> the way that I believe we should is by slowing down. And so some of these groups are just, are, are for that in particular. It's to help us press pause in the midst of some of the crazy pace stuff that we're doing. Um, I want to uh, just kind of before I jump into a couple other things, um, while we're talking about Zoom gatherings, uh, as Brian said, you can go to the website and you can find date and times and login information for those. But I would like to challenge some of you to think about ways that you could lead a Zoom gathering. Uh, we're seeing this. Uh, if you watch the news, there's always a report going on of, of somebody that's doing something, it's using this social media platform, whether it's they're leading a yoga class or an art class or whatever, but um, could you lead or co-lead um, a new Zoom group? And would you be interested in uh, letting us know? We'll put it on the website. It could be you just wanna gather and read some scripture and pray with a handful of friends. Um, I'm going to help get this ball rolling and uh, just invite those of you who journal. I want to start a journaling Zoom group, and we're going to start, um, I believe it's going to be this Wednesday at 6.30. You can check on the website here in the next day or two. Um, and it's not a journaling group where we get together and we share the nitty-gritty of our private journal entries, uh, but rather we just discuss this, uh, how the act of putting thoughts on paper transforms us and brings us peace in these turbulent times. So I look forward to connecting with, uh, with other journalers. And if you'd be interested in that, then, then jump in with me. And for those of you that uh, there's something you're passionate about, this is a great opportunity for you to do, um, to act on that. And it could be, uh, it could be something that carries on beyond this, this pandemic. Um, all right. I want to open up, uh, with a uh, chat, with a uh, question that you can answer via chat. If you can't access that, you can feel free. If you're in a group setting with your family, you can answer it. But here's the question. If you could go anywhere to shelter in place, where would it be? If you could go anywhere to shelter in place, where would it be? I'll, uh, if you don't have that uh, feature, I'll read. Okay, we've already received two votes for Hawaii. Uh, one right where I currently am, uh, Maui. Okay, so we're being specific. Uh, the Cedar House, that's right where you are, I bet. Um, on a beach, anywhere or somewhere. Beach House in Hawaii. We have a lot of people that are itching to go to Hawaii right now. Uh, at home with family. Um, what else do we have? Tahiti, okay. Kauai, grandma's house. Puerto Rico, Oahu, New Zealand. 
I'm surprised nobody has put Gary's garage, but I'm sure uh, I'm sure that's really high on your priority list. But uh, um, see what else we have. Portugal. Thank you. Thank you, Kate, for saying Gary's garage. <laughs> Just being out in nature. Uh, so sheltering in place this is kind of a big deal for for us. Uh, <laughs> the, oh, I like this one. Anywhere someone is going to cook and clean up after me. Thank you. Oh, that's my sister that uh, from Missouri that is joining us. <laughs> okay, so this sheltering in place is getting, uh, we're, uh, most of us are on week two of, of sheltering in place. And I, I thought about this the other day um, as, as like news anchors and musicians and, uh, and all these, are, they're broadcasting from their homes. I'm not even paying attention to like when a news anchor is reporting the news as much as I'm looking at their house going, wow, that'd be a nice place to shelter. You know, I should have been a news anchor. That's a, that's a pretty good pad that they got there. Um, <clears throat> John Legend, when he was doing that, uh, that concert from his house, I was like, wow, not a bad place to shelter. Um, and uh, so I've got uh, actually, um, see if I can, if I can do this quick enough, I'll show you if I could shelter in place anywhere um, I think this would be my ideal place. Yeah, um, just a donut shop. I think if I'm going to be cooped up somewhere for a really long time, uh, that would be my ideal shelter in place. But I'm going to go back to the garage right now. Um, so, uh, so what would be your ideal shelter in place? This is... Um, I, I spent some time this week in John chapter 14. So if you've got a Bible on hand or you want to um, switch over to your Bible app, I want us to look at John chapter 14. And it's kind of stretching it uh, uh, just to apply it to our current situation. Um, there is a day where we are going to shelter in place for eternity. And I wanted us to read about that. John 14, beginning in verse 1, it, uh, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled, which that right there is such a comfort in the midst of what we're going on. And the way that he is going to talk about the reason that our hearts don't need to be troubled is because he is, well, I'll read it. It's talking about how he is preparing a place where we are going to shelter. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Jesus, right now, as we are gathering in this virtual setting, Jesus is preparing an eternal shelter in place. And he is replacing um, distance with withness. He is a God who loves um, us coming together. Social distancing was never God's plan. And so he is preparing a place for us. And so as we think of the the contagion of peace. If we are going to spread peace from one to the other, as we interact with each other, um, may we spread 
peace. One of the ways that I believe that we can do that is um, pausing to consider the place that we will shelter for eternity. Um, it helps us keep things in perspective right now that this is temporary. Uh, maybe this isn't ideal, but there is going to be an ideal. And uh, that is for when, when God calls us home. Now, a different question for you to ponder, and this isn't one to, to type in on the chat feature, but we can choose to shelter in place in different ways, and we are going to shelter in place in heaven someday. Um, but have you ever thought about the fact of where God has chosen to shelter in place? I mean, scriptures teach us that God is everywhere. He is omnipresent. Um, but as he is everywhere, he has also chosen to shelter in a particular place here on earth. Where is it that God has chosen to dwell? And this just, I hope this blows you away, knowing that God's chosen place to shelter is in you. Of all of the places that God could dwell, of all of the places where he could hang out, he has chosen to dwell, to shelter in place in you as a full-time dwelling. Ephesians 3, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, says it so vividly, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. So he is choosing to shelter, to dwell in you as you are walking in trust in this season. So in the midst of the crazy, and then just in these few minutes, I want us to be reminded of why we can be people, bearers of peace. Um, we can be people of peace because we know that someday we are going to shelter in his presence. We can be people of peace because he has chosen to shelter in us. And then not only has he chosen to shelter specifically in you, there's one other place that he's chosen to shelter. And um, Rebecca, you didn't know I was going to do this, but I need you to help me out. Brian is going to unmute you, and I need you to tell me what is the, just, okay, for those of you that don't know, Rebecca is from Mississippi, and they have a, they have a whole different language in Mississippi. Maybe not a whole different language, but what I'm, uh, Rebecca, I want you to pronounce for us the plural of you. The plural of you is y'all. Y'all, yes. Y'all. <laughs> all y'all. If you really want to get to all y'all. All y'all, yes. Mm -hmm. So I want us to see 1 Corinthians 3. I'm going to read this. And Rebecca, I might need your help for a little bit of it. Um, 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, don't you know that you yourselves, and this is not you individually, this is plural, don't all y'all know that all y'all are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. God has chosen a place to shelter. Yes, it's in you in particular, but it is in us as his church. He is sheltering in all y'all, even though we're not in the same room, even though we're not in the same building under the same roof. He has chosen to make his presence known in all y'all. As we trust in him, in us individually, he shelters in all of us as his Bay Marin family. And um, so I, 
what type of a peace does this bring to you in the midst of this? And especially as, as some of us are probably battling, a, uh, just we have our own bouts of loneliness in the midst of this. And it's not that you're not um, maybe even sheltering in place with people that you dearly love, but there could still be this ache of loneliness. Somehow, let's remember to press pause and to remember that God is sheltering in us as individuals. He is sheltering among us in y'all. And may that be uh, a, con a contagion of peace um, infused in our weary and timid souls. Um, continuing on in John 14, it says this, uh, Jesus is still talking to his, uh, his apprentices. He's talking to his disciples, and he is about to um, separate himself. He's about to, uh, he's talking to them about what life is going to be like for them once he leaves this earth and ascends to heaven. And he says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So I've noticed something in the last few days. Um, sometimes in my texts and other times when I email, uh, usually when I'm using my phone, but sometimes on my computer, after I type the word peace, a wavy red line appears under it. It's the whatever that grammar dictionary feature that's built in to our phones and computers. And what it, the, this built-in program keeps thinking I should spell peace, P-I-E-C-E instead of P-E-A-C-E. -E. I don't know if anybody else has encountered that. Um, maybe you don't notice it. Maybe you just really don't even care <laughs> when you see the squiggly red line underneath it. But for me, it drives me nuts. I'm like, well, that, that shouldn't be there. I know I spelled this correctly. I'm using the right word. It's P-E-A-C-E. -E. And no matter how many times I backspace, and type it again, P-E-A-C-E, -E, it still puts the wavy red line beneath it. I don't know why it is doing that. Sometimes um, in those moments, I realize that uh, God's just trying to get my attention, not because of grammar um, or what, whatever it is that's, that's irking me, but maybe there's a lesson for me in this. And so I began to kind of chew on that and reflect on that. And I ended up journaling some thoughts and uh, kind of as a confession, I wrote out, I can be a wavy red line. I mean, I know about peace. I've done peace word studies. I've read books about peace. But in this real world, in this new normal world that we are all living in, my, my first response at times has been a wavy red line. My furrowed brow is like that wavy red line. Inside my head, I know that God does not change. I know that God wears a t-shirt that says, I got this. He is in control. But my face gets this look on it, a wavy line look on it that communicates something less than peace, something less than P-E-A-C-E. -E. Now, I don't know if you're able to do this where, where you are, but if you're able to do so on this Zoom video call, look at what happens 
to my forehead when I have a look of concern. I mean, it, it literally kind of gets a, a, a type of a wavy line right there on my forehead. Anxiety, depression, second thoughts, excessive worry. These carve wavy red lines that haunt, just to be honest, my own preachy thoughts on peace. Wavy red line people, kind of, as I mentioned in last week's talk, those are people who imagine a future without Jesus. And there are times when even in the midst of talking about peace and longing for peace, I fail to remember that my future involves Jesus. And I get that wavy red line. Um, I am terrible at poker. I do not have a poker face. And a lot of it is because I, it, it shows on my face when I am calm and when I am not. And Jesus spoke to his small band of wavy red line followers. And I think all of them in their own way had this furrowed brow. And Jesus says to them, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your foreheads get all wrinkly. Do not be afraid. Peace is here. Peace is now. Peace is in us. Peace is among us. Although our faces may not always show it. So how do we respond to this dilemma? Do we, do we recognize, boy, just, there are times when I'm just not living in peace. So do we try harder? I mean, ironically, the wavy red line on my forehead grows thicker when I strain and try harder. Okay, now I'm really going to be a peaceful person. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. If trying harder is, if, if, if trying harder is the way to do it, it's almost like, and I'm going to kind of go back to the typing analogy of the wavy red line, Trying harder is like hitting the backspace key in an attempt to delete it and type it again. But the line, like I said, it, it wasn't going away. It kept reappearing. So then I had this thought. How about if I hit the return key and just keep on typing? If, if backspacing, so to speak, doesn't erase the wavy red line from yesterday, my concern and worry and anxiety from yesterday, how can I keep typing peace, P-E-A-C-E, -E, today? The biblical word for the return key is repent. I repent. I return. I return to what, though? In my thoughts, I'm returning to the fully redeemed, fully loved person that God has created me to be. I return in my thoughts to the fact that God is choosing to shelter in me, that God is choosing to shelter among us as we gather. I return to the basic truths about who I am in Christ. And it's in this returning that I sense peace beginning to well up. Now, repenting, like returning, it doesn't erase previous anxieties or fears. Those wavy red lines don't just go away from in my past. That's a part of my story. But I guess this, this repenting and this returning that I want to be doing in this week upcoming 
is a way to resolutely drive a stake in the ground that says, I will return. Today is a new line, a new paragraph, and I will walk in peace, P-E-A-C-E. And when I get scared or I sense the looming wavy red line on my forehead, I just need to get quiet and ask the Lord to spell it out for me again. I'm a little slow. God, could you spell that for me again? I want to keep typing peace until my internal dictionary and grammar program, so to speak, finally gets it. One of these days, I am going to encounter difficulties, but without a wavy red line. And it's like something in me goes, ah, yeah, that peace. P-E-A-C-E. So here's my question for you. And we can use this chat feature again. How do you spell peace? And by that, I mean, what's a word or maybe a, a biblical truth that brings you, returns you to a place of peace? What's a word or biblical truth that brings you to a place of peace? I can give you a few things. I've already seen some. Be still, sanctuary, awesome. Grace, shepherd, trust, Christ's love. Serenity. He is in control. Solitude. Love. Walking. I love that. Being of service. Seeing. Gratitude. I think peace can be spelled different ways to each of us. It could be read. It could be rest. It could be laugh. It could be hike. It could be pray, serve, paint, ocean, breathe. So here's my question, my challenge, actually, for you. I want you to spell peace every day this week in your unique way. Figure out the best way for you to spell peace. I'm gonna do the same thing. And how can you return to that peace-inducing word today and Monday and Tuesday and throughout the week? How can you return to that peace-inducing word in those times that you feel the wavy red line creasing your forehead? Return to peace every day this upcoming week. That's what I want us to do. I believe this is one of the ways that we will spread a peace contagion among those that we live with, that we work with, that we neighbor with. Um, I want us to consider this as we prepare for communion. And I want us to remember that peace is ultimately spelled in the name of Jesus. Peace can be spelled J-E-S-U-S. -S. Peace is found in the person of Jesus. And this is so much more than just like an emotion. We're talking about peace as in 
the wholeness, the coming together, the goodness, all things working together. This is, this is found in Christ. And so if you, um, we're going to have some music that's going to play in just a moment. Um, if you need to go uh, grab the elements that you're going to use for communion, maybe you have them right there with you. But as the music is playing, I want you to dwell on just uh, the name of Jesus and let that bring peace to you. And I'm going to read this passage from Isaiah 53. It's a prophetic word. It's pointing to the sacrificial lamb, to the Messiah, who we now know as Jesus. Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 4. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. Let me read that last verse again. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. If you have your, if you have your bread, we'll begin with the bread. Jesus on the night he was betrayed. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, and talk about a night when a wavy red line creased even the forehead of Christ. In the midst of that, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he blessed it. And he said to his apprentices who were gathered around the table with him, he said, this is my body given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, my blood is now the new covenant. When you drink this cup, remember me. Jesus, we thank you that the punishment that should have brought us, that should have been put upon us, ended up bringing us peace because our punishment was placed on you. Thank you for taking on yourself what would have certainly not just caused a wavy line across our brow, but would have done us in, would have killed us. And you took it on yourself. May we find peace because of your love for us and what you have done for us. May we find peace because you have chosen to shelter in us, that you are among us. 
And Father, as we sing this next song, may we sing as people who are convinced of this peace. We're convinced of your love shown to us in your saving power, which gives us um, the courage to face these days ahead. It's in your name I pray. Amen. <laughs>